You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you and the Unpacking It community of sports fans. We've got a big show today. We've got Unpack This about Bill Russell. We've got a loaded tap drill. A couple uh, interesting stories from training camp. I want to talk about NFL wide receivers, their contracts, and and why in the NBA has there been this push toward positionless basketball, yet in the NFL positions seem so much more defined. Why is that? Will that ever change? We'll unpack that a little bit. And in just a moment, we'll let you know what we're convinced of in regards to the Deshaun Watson story. And it has taken a lot of crazy turns and the latest is uh, he's going to be suspended for six games. And, and so it looks like it doesn't necessarily uh, affect his bigger contract with the Browns too much. Uh, but where do, we, where do we come out on this, uh, especially as followers of Jesus and, and sports fans and Browns fans and just NFL fans? Where, what, what do we think? And so I, I'll be curious your thoughts as well. And uh, we'll do that during uh, our I'm Convinced segment. Thanks, everybody, listening on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Unpacking It. And, and then also, uh, we do encourage you to check out Fantasy Football Fellowship. So it's that time of year. It's now August, officially. And we are gearing up for Fantasy Football Fellowship this fall. So a couple different options for you. One Go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. Check out all of our great content. Some of the content's free. Some of it you can become a member and get access to all of our content. We encourage you to, to do league meetings throughout the season, so with your league. We also encourage churches to start fantasy leagues, or if you already have a fantasy league at your church, check out the Fantasy Football Fellowship content so that you can use within your church, within your leagues throughout the season. If you say, hey, I'm looking for a league, we've got unpacking it leagues for you as well. And so uh, be on the lookout for that, and we'll give you more information about joining one of our uh, five different leagues that we'll have this season. Coming up also uh, on the show, we will uh, say hello to uh, our intern, Landon. So he's here today. Luke's here today. Uh, Luke's in Texas. Henry's in Connecticut. So we've got the full, full team here. Uh, those of you listening, be sure to check out our chat. Henry's work in the chat, so you can interact with him on there. Always appreciate your thoughts. Those of you that listen to the podcast later, uh, appreciate your emails. Uh, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Let us know your thoughts on the show. We are brought to you by MetaShare. So thankful to have MetaShare as a partner. Uh, my wife and I, we've been members for over six years. MetaShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. And they offer programs for every budget. It's affordable, reliable healthcare that you can trust, check out metashare.com slash unpacking it. 
And it's been great for, for our family of four, uh, but they also have options for individuals and, and even uh, businesses. And, and so the best part, on average, members save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. And so you can go to metashare.com slash unpacking it. All right, Luke, it's Monday. I had a fun weekend. I uh, ended up going to kind of the, the, the mountains of North Carolina and had the opportunity to uh, speak at a church on Sunday morning and, and had a blast uh, talking with them and, and sharing uh, about Jesus and, and talking sports uh, with a Sunday morning congregation. And the best part for me, maybe the oldest woman in the crowd, just based on... Uh, you always have to be careful with that, but she was clearly one of the older women in the crowd. She came up and said, I can't wait for you to come back and, and so, uh, or come back next time. Uh, so that was encouraging. So that was a good way. All right. If I, if I, if I connected with the, maybe the oldest person in the crowd, hopefully some of the diehard sports fans in between, uh, connected as well. So that was, uh, that was a, a neat opportunity for me. Very thankful, uh, to pastor Philip, uh, up there at, uh, at the, the church in Fletcher, North Carolina. So there you go. Mm. Luke, how was your weekend, man? Well, I'll start with that sounds like a very glass-half-full mentality of not reaching the younger generation. So uh, <laughs> positive spin on things, definitely. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, yeah, you got to – and there was one guy that comes up to me before the service, and he goes, I don't like sports. He goes, I haven't – he hasn't even watched the news in two years, and he's going, I'm a hillbilly. Nice. I don't care about sports. Hillbilly. He came up afterward – and said, believe it or not, I just started read, reading Tony Dungy's Uncommon book. And hey. I go, well, hey, well, where, where are the? But he liked, he, he appreciated what I said. And uh, so did you try out, to relate to well. the, these mountain folks? Did you, did you uh, come in on your mountain bike in your Amazon <laughs> uh, hiking boots that you recommended to me with a little, well, five, o'clock, with a little five o'clock shadow? That's right. Well, I'm clearly like a Charlotte guy. I grew up here. I'm a Charlotte <laughs> guy through and through. But now I live outside of Charlotte. I live in a small town. I started listening to country music years ago. I went to have stayed in the mountains. I go mountain biking every year. So yeah. I, I, can, I can relate. I can relate to the, the laid-back country folk. So uh, me and Jim Carrey both can. So there you go. That was, uh, that was a, that was a treat, treat for me as well. Um, so in studio, we do have intern Landon, for those of you uh, watching. And, oh, yeah. and Landon... I didn't address this when you came in today, but, but I need to address it now. Uh, well, I mentioned it briefly. Landon came to the office today. Now, there are other people that work at this office that, that aren't a part of unpacking it. He walks through the hallways very boldly and confidently with not a lunchbox, but a plate with food on it. He brought a plate with food already on it. I mean... The, the the shenanigans that have taken place this year from intern this summer from intern Landon in regards to food is truly remarkable. So Landon, explain yourself. What made you think that you could just show up to a place of business with just a plate? Not even like a, a to-go plate. This is a, a nice fine china plate that, that you bring to the office. Bryce, I am so comfortable with the work environment in here. You, you just make it so comfortable in here. So I, I just bring my omelets in the morning. So it's just like yeah. a nice omelet. And, you know, it'd be one thing if he brought in this fresh cooked meal and said, hey, Bryce, I brought you some as well. But he's yet to bring me anything. I've offered him free bars, protein bars, and that have made they may be expired. I don't know. Uh, but I've offered them to him. He comes in here with his 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 fish that he fills up the room with, which I told you guys about. And now he brings in fresh omelets that take up a whole plate. You think he'd give me a little sliver? No way. 
Well, Bryce, I, I got one for you tomorrow. Don't gosh. you worry. <laughs> well, now Bryce, I've had, now you I have, have to ask for it. Bryce has upgraded the work environments significantly since I've been there. So it's glad to hear. So <laughs> Bryce, you, my first day, you brought me to get Greek food. It was great. I'm like, all right, is this going to be a normal occurrence? Only time ever, whole summer. <laughs> and also, you kept the office at 79 degrees, which was outrageous. Outrageous. So I'm glad I'm glad to know that Landon has a more comfortable work environment there. Mm. <sighs> well, the yeah, the funny thing is I when you were here, I went out to lunch a lot and yeah. I would never bring you anything back. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry for that. I apologize. You did bring here me to I the Charlotte Touchdown Landon. Club, though. You brought me to the Charlotte Touchdown Club, which was nice. That was nice. And you won all the, the prizes. That's right. And, and speaking still of haven't Charlotte, given you one. No, I'm still waiting for that gift. But the, uh, the, the, speaking of the Charlotte Touchdown Club, uh, I went on Friday, and special guest Tim Tebow was the speaker. Ooh, and he absolutely lived up to the hype. It was oh, awesome. Cool. He did He's such also a great job. gargantuan now. Like his, no, oh. no, like, no, like his biceps are bigger than my waist. I, I'd be willing to say that. I thought I actually was noticing he slimmed down. But but beyond his his looks and physique, he's yeah. a great guy and did a, did a wonderful job speaking. Thank you, Luke, for for taking it there. Uh, but uh, I I didn't get to talk with him, but I did get a quick handshake. I did get okay. to say, "Hey, great job!" So that was how was that his was handshake game? Uh, str- thankfully, uh, I I wasn't too intimidated. I felt like I came in okay. solid, and it was reasonable. Did you have like- okay? This is the opportunity to redeem yourself on taking a picture with a celebrity, hand in pocket, or do you go arm around? Land and I are very much team arm around. So did you have an opportunity to join to join the, the, the bright side? No, no picture opportunity. It was a Yikes. quick handshake. He was he was moving. So yeah. that was I, I you know, that was it was good. It was it was cool. So got to make the at least the acknowledgement. And you know, hopefully hopefully he remembers me. Hopefully he remembers that handshake, right? That's the key. Yeah. So uh so anyway, those are the shenanigans, but we'll uh, we'll jump in today. We'd love to know your thoughts as a listener on this whole Deshaun Watson saga. We we've touched on it here and there and and honestly, it's been sort of a kind of a roller coaster ride with him and and I want to I want to use him kind of as a springboard, but I think there's a lot more to this story that we have to look at in, in kind of a, a bigger picture. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll start there. Uh, that, that, that I'm convinced fans should not expect the NFL to be the moral police. And I understand that they have a personal conduct policy and was reading a little bit about it. It says they can, uh, the commissioner can suspend a player where the league finds that the player's conduct imposes inherent danger to the safety and well-being of another person. The personal conduct policy also states that discipline is appropriate for conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity and reputation of the NFL, NFL clubs, or NFL players. And, and so, okay, that's fine. I understand that. They're, they're running a league. They, they want it to have a good reputation. They want their players to represent them well. Absolutely. And, and if you want to suspend someone, you want to kick a player out of your league that's, that's not living up to the standard that, they, that they've set, then, then that's great. My question and my problem is, really, what is the standard? And, and so you know, we come at it as, as followers of Jesus. I, I'm under the authority of, of God and his word. And so his standard is, you know, ultimately we're forgiven and we, we rest in the grace of Jesus. And then we're called to live a holy life. And, and so 
I'm looking at to the Bible as, okay, this is the way to live. This is what Jesus said. This is the way to live. And so that's the standard that I hold myself to. I fall short and then I, I, I rest in the, in the grace of Jesus, thankfully. Um, but that's the, that's the standard, the path that I'm, I'm, I'm on. Now, when it comes to the NFL, it's, it's very confusing. We, we don't really know, you know what they expect because owners seem to be held to a different st- standard than players. We, we now see six games for Deshaun Watson. We'll see if that ends up kind of sticking. But we saw last year Calvin Ridley, and this has kind of been the big discussion today, Calvin Ridley bets on a game. It comes out that he spent, I think, $1,500 to bet on his team, the Falcons, to win, and it cost him a season. He's going to be out for, for a year. And so it seems that the NFL finds that to be a bigger deal for their you know, conduct and representation of their league because you don't want fans thinking, wait a second, are these guys betting on their own games and are they affecting the, the outcomes and based on what money, you know, all that kind of thing. So I understand the confusion there. But it goes back to, okay, what do we want the NFL you know, moral standard to, to be and, and is it even possible? And I would say whether it's six games or 10 games or I, I don't really know. I don't think any amount of games is the answer, I guess, ultimately, because fans are going to be confused and fans are going to consider, you know, their own certain, you know, I, oh, I, I think this is worse than this. Gambling's worse than what's happening in, you know, with massage therapists or what happens from a violent standpoint. Uh, so all of this gets thrown in there. And then we as fans are supposed to, you know, kind of figure out, wait, is this worse? Is that better? And, and I kind of throw my hands up. And, and again, I go back to, I I don't think these NFL, I, I can't expect these NFL players to be living perfect lives. And, and so I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm convinced that they should not be our, our role models. Um, I think some of them can be that have proven to have a, a great track record. Absolutely. Uh, but many of them are in their twenties. They're trying to figure things out and, and they do a lot of dumb things. And, and so for us to then kind of, all right, well that he's done this. So he's out for six games and then he's done this. He's five games. I think it's very difficult to figure out. He got caught. He didn't get caught. Um, so Luke, Luke, help me out here. I, I feel uh, a very, very confused with it all and, and trying to, uh, you know, figure out, okay, now moving forward, you know, what, what do we expect the NFL to actually do with these, with these guys that, that end up getting caught up allegedly? Sometimes there's evidence. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's gray area. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there are video and pictures. Sometimes there's, there's not. And, and, and we're rooting for guys that love Jesus, that are following Jesus, and those are the players that, that you know, we really can root for. But sometimes those guys make a mistake too. And those guys screw up. And then that, that makes it confusing for us as fans. And so, again, we have to go back to the grace. We have to go back to, okay, what is, what is the standard that we're holding ourselves to? And, and are we continuing to, to pursue holy lives? And that's, that's kind of where we need to start. And then when it comes to our sports, it's, yeah, we're going to try to find guys to root for. And, and other players are going to let us down. And if the NFL decides to, to suspend a guy for six games, all right, fine then I, I've got to move on and I'll determine when he comes back if I want to root for him or not, um, depending on the type of repentance, the, the, the type of uh, acknowledgement of, of what they've done. And, and are they experiencing life change too? That's what we always want to see. Are they learning from 
the punishment. I think that's, and are other players learning from the punishment that these guys go through as well? So Luke, why don't you jump in? Sorry, man. <laughs> no worries. It's a, it's really difficult. And I think a good starting place is how should we view this as followers of Jesus? Uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is our hope is certainly not in whatever morality the NFL legislates. Um, There's something never to put our hope in. Um, and I think your point on role models is important because there's probably many people who live and die by the actions of their favorite athletes, their favorite teams. And at that point, it gets a little unhealthy on, yeah, there's way too much stock given in a team or a player's actions or successes or failures to where our days, our weeks are ruined or decided by that. We've talked about this before, like if our team wins or, or our team loses and we have a horrible week because of it, well, <laughs> maybe we need to take a look in the mirror, which certainly I've been guilty of that. Um, but yeah, from a another perspective is, yeah, how do you have an opinion on the six games if it's too much or too little? I think that's difficult because the NFL is not the – necessarily the moral police. I mean, the NFL as an organization has every right to decide or at least consider what who do we want to be in our league. They, of course, are thinking through that. But also, Deshaun Watson is caught up in the laws of our country and the legal system is navigating the situation. So it's not like, oh my gosh, our whole hope is, okay, what's the NFL going to do here? Are they going to make the right call? Well, they're not the number one legal system yeah, navigating we've got this. Like he's he's go he's going through the court, so it's not like we we have to rely on the NFL. And I just don't know how you have an opinion on if six games is too much or too little, because this is a football. Yeah, because what's the basis? Well, yeah, and, and well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And then it goes again. It goes back to like, Calvin Ridley seems to be the convenient guy to compare this to. Yeah, uh, but or it's even so different. Sean Watson with with PED or um. DeAndre Hopkins with PEDs, uh, he's going to be suspended for what, how many games did he get? Six, four, six, 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 six games. Yeah. So now we're putting that on the same level. Yeah. And so it gets, it gets, a, it gets very, very interesting. And part of it too, I was listening to Ryan Clark on ESPN, you know, it comes down to evidence. What kind of evidence is there? And that, that was some of the vagueness with, with Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson continues to, to say, Hey, I, I haven't disrespected anyone. And, and so yeah. What are we supposed to do with, you know, do you trust what a, what a, what a guy says and, and to, to what extent? And that yeah. makes it tricky, too. Well, it's difficult because, you know, social things and politics and a huge sports league are inevitably going to collide with one another. And we love when athletes have platforms <clears throat> and use it wisely. But on the other end of the spectrum, like how much do we expect an organization like the NFL to one, consistently legislate morality, and two, to get it correct to some mm. arbitrary standard yeah. that we set in our own minds. Because at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, it's a football league. Like you've said before, they care about their product and they care about making money. And that's ultimately their end goal. Do we want them to care about the right morals? 
Yes, but again, whose morals and that's right. how well, and that's yeah. difficult because, yeah, I mean, everyone in the country is across the board on how they view Deshaun Watson and what's going on with his situation. And yeah, how on, how, yeah, the NFL can't possibly make a correct decision. I don't, I don't know. It's, di- it's too difficult to, to expect so much out of the NFL to legislate morality as a football league or yeah, to do it well, correctly. And yeah, because for me, like to me, the line that gets crossed from a lot of these guys when we, you know, even when we hear about these guys going to strip clubs, well, to me, that's crossing the moral line to my standard as a follower of Jesus. So, so then if that's the more, you know, if that's the moral standard, then a lot of these guys are getting, they should be suspended. So, so that's why it gets so, it's just so tough for me to then uh, say, all right, NFL, you got to come down hard on these guys. I don't know because I would have different things that, that I would want them to, to push. And then other people would want certain things. And so, yeah. so how, you can't really keep all the fans happy. And so now everybody, you know, is, is responding today. Oh, six wasn't enough or oh, six is too many or kick them out of the league forever. And, and so it, it makes it, it makes it hair. Like what's the NFL's responsibility in addition to the court system? Like if a guy's going through the court system, yeah. What responsibility does the NFL have? They've sometimes and they've sometimes they've added too to say, hey, uh uh-uh, uh, we don't want our players like this. But yeah. is there consistency in that? That's the thing. It, yeah. it depends on it kind of depends oh, yeah. on the player, it depends on the timing of it, it depends on a lot of the outcry from it. So uh so what do you guys think as as listeners? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can leave your comments wherever you're you're watching right now. Uh you can email later. And, and, and let me be very clear. I, listen, I don't know what did or did not happen, obviously, in, the, in these situations with Deshaun Watson and, and all these women that have come forward saying that something wrong happened. Now, if that is the case, I mean, he's got to get to the bottom of, of why that happened. And, you know, I was reading something about uh, he needs to get counseling or like that's usually part of the deal when guys do get in trouble in the NFL. They have to go through so, some level of counseling. And I hope that he's willing to embrace that. But because he's stood by his innocence, he's not necessarily embraced that. So that gets a, that 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 to me is a little tough too. I think we all need counseling to a certain extent, and so that can <laughs> yeah. be very beneficial for all of us. I'm in, I'm in, uh, in favor of that. Uh, yeah. But especially when these guys get caught, get to the bottom of what because something was still there, whether we have all the evidence or not. Something's there. Yeah. Something's not right. And, and, and let's make sure that, that nothing like this, this happens well, again. It's and, also interesting, the ruling, part of the ruling is he has to, he's, he's, they limited on what massage therapist he can use going forward. I thought that was interesting yeah. on, there's a ruling about that. I don't oh, know. They it's, sh- yeah, they should. It's so difficult balancing how can the NFL legislate morality versus, and also upholding as a league they of course can think through what kind of who do we want to play in our league, and we of course have a player conduct policy that makes sense, just like any company or organization. Yeah. But then are we putting too much stock in them deciding what, how to penalize? I don't know. It's it's so difficult. So as Christians, we have to think through it. Ultimately, what's our hope in? How do we navigate it? We want justice. We want repentance for people who are in the wrong, and as sports fans. We have to maintain a certain a certain level of detachment from watching these things, deciding our emotions, deciding 
our actions, I guess. Like, yeah, we can watch. Of course, yeah, what's going on? We're discuss it, but and, not to the and, extent of our hope is placed in, oh, NFL better get this right, or <laughs> our hope is gone. I, yeah, well, I can't I mean, trust them and yeah. their standards. I, I can't, because they, they represent and push a lot of things that I'm not necessarily in, in favor of. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm going to watch my teams, and I'm going to root for the good guys as I know they're good guys, and... I, I am also going to watch knowing that players are going to let me down. A 23-year-old is going to let me down. Because if people were trusting in 23-year-old Bryce Johnson, I, I, I let you down too. So, you know, I think we have to, to be reasonable in that, in that as well. But also, encourage, you know, we, can't ex- we also can't just accept NFL players being morons and doing stupid stuff in society. So they absolutely need to be held accountable and they do need to be hot. They, they need to be held to an NFL standard, but I just don't know what that NFL standard is. That's the problem. I would yeah. have it a much higher standard, but is that realistic? And is that really fair? That's, I guess that's ultimately what I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah. today. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah Cause <laughs> the NFL standards very different than our local church standards on at what point do you need to call someone out on something? <laughs> very, very different. Yeah. So we can't look at the NFL like it's a local church. Absolutely not. No. But no. then also we can't just say you can't make any ruling because that would be too far. No. That's so hard. For so them I'm, to just say, oh, yeah, Deshaun, eh, he didn't do anything. Yeah, move on. That's not – I'm not saying that's the – Yeah, not, that's, not, that's not helpful either. No. Um, so, all right, a lot there. Love to know your thoughts. Uh, appreciate some of the feedback already. Uh, shout out to Steve in Oregon for uh, his comments. Good stuff from, from you, Steve. Appreciate that. All right, we're going to switch gears and – you know, it's always sad when we when we hear someone passes away and, and a sports legend, uh, Bill Russ, Russell, at the age of 88, passed away yesterday. Uh, and I, I want to, to talk about him and, and honor him a little bit today during our segment, Unpack This. And, and what we do during Unpack This each week, if you're new to the show, uh, we take a, a sports topic related to the Bible, related to our own lives, look at different parallels uh, that come from the sports world that, that ultimately – uh, allow us to grow in our faith and understanding and, and take a look at you know, biblical truth. And, and so today, um, as we look at some of the headlines uh, in regards to Bill Russell, you go to the Washington Post, it says, Bill Russell was the greatest winner any sport has ever seen. Yahoo, Bill Russell, Boston Celtics legend and the NBA's ultimate winner, dies at 88. Sports Illustrated, everything was winning with him former Rockets coach, mourns loss of NBA legend Bill Russell. And so there's no question that when you're talking about Bill Russell or reading about him or hearing about him, it's clear that, that his, uh, his career and, and life, he knew how to win, what it took to win, and he experienced winning. And, and I want to focus on the court and, and what he accomplished as a basketball player and the fact that he won 11 NBA titles, two NCAA championships, an Olympic gold medal. And, and, and uh, high school state championships, too. Oh, is that right? Okay, oh, i yeah. got to add that to the list. I missed oh, that. Yeah. Um, so uh, I saw a tweet from uh, Hembo from ESPN. He's on that, that Get Up show. But he tweeted this. Bill Russell played 21 winner-take-all games in his career. NBA Olympics, NCAA tournament. His teams went 21-0. 21-0. So those were Unreal. game sevens. Those were, you know, uh, you know, uh, in the tournament, single elimination games and all that kind of thing. So uh, absolutely remarkable. And, and so the, the winning 
mentality and his ability to say or his ability to, to demonstrate he knows what it takes to win. And, and on the basketball court, he always put himself in a position to help his team win. Whatever he needed to do individually, get rebounds, block shots, score, but then also making players around him better is, is, is evident. Now, as you would probably guess, I did not watch him play growing up. Uh, I didn't start watching basketball until 1994. I watched uh, some of his highlights this morning. There you go. So you're impressive. You're up, up to speed. Yeah. But but regardless, we can under we can accept the fact that he was a winner and and knew what it took to win. So let's let's talk about this in our in our own lives. We often you know hear about or, or you know maybe even research ourselves or, or listen to books or watch read books, listen to people talk about what it, it takes is. to win in life. Right? We want to live in life. We want to live a victorious life. And, and we've talked about it on the show, and, and I'm not going to necessarily go to this direction today, but ultimate victory is found in Christ because he overcame uh, the cross and, and, and death and sin on our behalf, and we now are ultimately victorious as well when we receive that gift of salvation. And, and so we're, we're victorious over sin and death as well. We get to spend eternity with Jesus. But as we lit, not but, that's awesome. So we, we rest in that. That's the, that's the good news of the gospel. There's no but after that. That's it. That's the finished work of Jesus. What I want to focus on today is I want to go to a, a psalm, and it's Psalm 1. And there's so much richness in the psalms, right? A lot of, lot of great just uh, encouragement and a lot of just genuine crying out to God as well. But in, in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, this is what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's why I want to focus on that last line. In all that he does, he prospers. And so we're talking about on the basketball court, everything Bill Russell did on the basketball court, he won, right? He was winning. And so what does it look like to actually, you know, prosper in, in life? And let's go to the ESV study Bible on this, on this verse. And it says, on a couple of these verses, it says, the first image is that of a tree in a dry climate, which nevertheless thrives because of its constant supply of water. A tree bears fruit, not for itself, but for others. Thus, when the faithful prospers, it is not for himself, nor is the prospering even necessarily material, but he succeeds in bringing benefit to others. And that's where I want to land today. That's the encouragement that, that, I, that I feel for myself, and I, and I hope that, that you uh, can recognize as well today, is... What it means to win, to have a prosperous life, to experience winning uh, while we're still here on earth. Yes, it's found in Jesus, and it's found in the Word of God, and it's found in, in meditating day and night on His Word. And to know it, to, to meditate means it's in, it's in us. We're thinking about it, we're reflecting on it, and, and we're, we're continuing to you know, have our, our roots 
deep down in who God is and, and our relationship with him and the, 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 the wonderful uh, chance that we have to follow Jesus day in, day out. That's our, our roots in the stream. Jesus is that, that, that stream. And, and so then what does it look like to say, okay, our life, oh, there's a lot of fruit in our life. It, we're prospering. We're experiencing, quote, unquote, success. Well, it's a lot more about helping other people and serving other people and laying down our life for other people. That's where the blessings come in life. That's the blessed life is when it's, it's, not, it's not so me-focused. It's not inward-focused. It's focused on God and others, loving God and loving people. And, and so then a couple other verses to consider. In Proverbs, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Another verse in Proverbs, he who is generous will be blessed for he gives some of his food to the poor. And, and so, you know, okay, how, how do we win in life? Man, we put others ahead of ourselves. And, and going back to that, that tree that's, that's prospering, it's, it's got fruit for, for others, right? <laughs> the tree doesn't eat its own fruit. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating concept. But, but I love that Bill Russell always put himself in a position to win. And, and even going back to kind of what he's known for at, on the basketball court, he knew how to block shots and then hold on to the ball. A lot of times we'll see guys block shots and then it goes out of bounds. Well, it doesn't really, that's not really a great thing. Like, it's okay. It's nice to block a shot and it sort of resets that, that, team's, you know, the off, that the team's offense. But when you can block it and then grab it and then outlet pass for a fast break, now you're helping your team win. And so it's, it's not just for the show, the block shot for the show. It's all about you. Oh, great block. No, it's get the block and then help your team get on the other end and score. And that's what Bill Russell was known to do and, and really mastered. And very few people actually can do that. But, but in our own lives, you know, what are we doing to set up our teammates? What are we doing to you know, keep things moving forward? And, and are we just focused on, okay, how can I be successful? I want to be successful. I want to make more money. It's all about me, more, more, more. It's all about how how. how big my personal platform can be and, 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 and look at me, look at, look at how great this is. And if that's our menta mentality, we're not going to live a blessed life. Not, not what really matters, not fruit that really matters. Fruit that, that is rooted, that, that, that comes as a result of our lives being rooted in, in, in God's word and the life that he has for us. And that life is, is serving others. Because what did Jesus do? He came to serve others. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve others. And so if he's who we're following, if he's who, who our example is, then that's what we got to do. We got to lay down our lives. And, and it's hard. Trust me. We're, we're just trying to survive every day. We're just trying to, you know, get ours, right? I just got to get mine. Um, I think we've talked about that on the show too. But that's our mentality. But what would it look like to really win in life, to be, to, to be blessed, to experience blessing? It's putting others first. That's where real joy, that's where real blessing uh, comes from. Um, I'll give you this last verse and then we'll, we'll get Luke's thoughts. So Paul, uh, the apostle Paul wrote a lot of the new Testament. Of course, his life became all about telling people about Jesus and, and just, he was sold out all in on the gospel. And so he wrote this in first Corinthians, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So he was about winning souls to Christ. He wanted people to experience the transformation that he experienced. And so for us, is that our mentality too? It's, it's serving people, but it's ultimately telling them 
that Jesus has changed our life and he could change yours. And so eternity is, is you know, in the balance and, and our souls are, are longing for the, the true God, the God of the universe, to, for us to know him intimately. And that happens through Jesus and through surrendering our lives and, and receiving uh, the, the grace that we have because he went to the cross and rose again and paid the punishment for our sin. And, and so is that our mentality? Are we trying to win as many as possible? Because that's what, that's what real winning is. That's eternal winning. All this other stuff, and trust me, I've been caught up in it. I want more people to listen to the podcast. More, more, we got to get more listeners. We got to get more listeners. But beyond more listeners, we want people to know Jesus and follow Jesus. That's what matters. That's what success is. And so, I, you know, I talk to people, hey, how's unpacking it going? Oh, is it successful? Or, oh, how many people are doing this or that? No, no, no. Are we being faithful to what God's called us to do? And are we seeking him above all else? And are we serving people? Are we, and, and, you know, I have to be accountable. Am I serving sports fans? That's winning. I want, if you're listening today, I just want you to know Jesus and follow Jesus. That's, I want that for my life and I want that for your life. And so that we can continue to live this blessed life. Now we pass it on. Now we serve others. If Jesus has changed us, now we change others. If Jesus has given to us, we give to others. We give, we give what we can. We give our lives. We give our money. We give our time. We give, give, give. Love, love, love. So there you go. That's what you can unpack today. That's the real winning life. Um, so, Luke, it's, uh, it's not – we're probably not going to get all the, uh, the big numbers. Are people still listening? Is anybody still watching? Oh, yeah. They want, they want the five steps to, uh, you know, to becoming a millionaire or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> and that's, it's, it's, not that that, it's not that that stuff's bad, but then again, then we go back to the verse. The generous will prosper. So if you've got more to give, then great. Keep it coming. If, yeah. if you're if you are successful in some of those worldly standards, uh, that's nice too. You know, cool. That's not the ultimate, but that's that's nice. And then, you know, then you're able to give. And we've got awesome people that are very successful in the business world that give to unpacking it. And and so I know they're experiencing blessing because of that. Um, and then we're able to to continue to bless people with the good news of Jesus. So jump on in, Luke. Yeah, it's a very encouraging reminder. To me, my per- hearing that is, you know, it. part of this is fear of man, and serving others is often forsaking the fear of man in us and the desire to please man. And there's a quote I read in a commentary this morning, reading through Romans, and I'm going to botch the quote, and I can't remember who it is, so bad credit here, but essentially he says, humility before God uh, is what leads to basically forsaking self-promotion before man. So this idea, relating it to serving, and you know, Bill Russell being an incredible uh, model of a team-first player, so much so that he didn't even show up for his Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and they had a private jersey retirement into the rafters, and he didn't even want his statue in Boston unless the Celtics agreed to fund a certain nonprofit. So this very team-first mentality, and as followers of Jesus, to serve better, it takes humility before God. And if we've understood the grace we've been given, the mercy we've been given, the free gift of becoming a son of God, a daughter of God by faith 
in the life, death, and life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, there's no reason, there's no room for self-promotion. If we've understood our depravity as sinners and our need for God, humility before God leads to less self-promotion before man, because self-promotion doesn't make sense anymore if we're humble before God, because it's just gratitude. It's receiving the grace of God, the mercy of God, and this just unbelievable gratitude of, I've been given entrance into the kingdom of God for eternity because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, because I have faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And yeah, that, that's what leads to greater service. You know, and Romans talks about levels of service can be a, an added gift of God to benefit the body of believers, but overall, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're all called to serve, but you can't serve if you're not humble before God. Mm. And, you know, that's something that we have to pray through constantly is, God, would you increase my humility? Not to be known as a humble person, but because that's part of your will for me is that I would continue to walk humbly before you in order to continue to be faithful. So, yeah, encouraging reminder, and to me, I just, it's, it's easy for me to, to think about the opinions of others about me, to fear the opinions of others about me, and to almost chase the approval of man. Mm. So I'm very passionate about talking about this, and if we're caught up with the approval of man, maybe, maybe we need to walk more humbly with God and ask God to increase our humility before Him, because then there's not necessarily a desire for self-promotion if we're just focused on gratitude for, of the mm. grace of God and, and serving others, because we don't need the approval of man. Amen. Amen. Well said. I love it. One, one final thing, uh, a little bit along the lines of what you were talking about with the autographs uh, with Bill. You, you mentioned the autographs. Am I, am I making that up? Or did we talk about that earlier? Well, we talked anyway. about that earlier, but it's along the same lines. Yeah. <laughs> along the same lines. Sorry, we talked about that earlier. But anyway, I was reading an uh, article at Boston.com. It says, Bill Russell hated autographs. Oh, of course, a typical NBA player. No, 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 no. He saw no point to them. If he was out dining and got approached by someone asking for his signature, Russell's usual response was to instead ask the person to join him at the table to have a conversation about life. The autograph seekers almost always declined. What? How about, how about that? Isn't that fascinating? Declined. Gosh, what a legend. That's, That's cool. How cool. Hey, you don't need my autograph. What do you want me to scribble on a piece of paper? No, no, no. Sit down. Join me. Join me for yeah. a conversation. Now, that's yeah. cool. I love that. I love that. Man, Bill so, Russell's um, the man. I was reading, yeah. well, one, Boston.com, so generic. That's the name of the website. Boston.com. So very generic, so I got to point that out. But I was reading about Bill Russell, um, kind, of, kind of like a biograph, biographical article about him on The Athletic. Um, and I didn't realize that, I guess this is an indictment on my basketball fandom. I didn't realize he was kind of a pioneer in the vertical game of basketball. He was in an interview in 2013. He said, I brought verticality to a horizontal game. Mm. Like when he was learning basketball in high school and college, you weren't supposed to jump as a defender, stay on your feet, hands up. And then he pioneered this jumping up to block shots, which, which I guess I never caught on. I was playing the old basketball because I was a very horizontal <laughs> player. No verticality in my game. So I guess I, if only I would have learned, learned that. That's my excuse. I didn't learn uh, about the vertical cool. game. I just played horizontal. 
That is a good study of sports that I probably don't do is when certain elements of the game that have become so normal when yeah. they were actually implemented. Because at some point there was a forward pass in football. You know, it's all that, yeah. all those kind of things. Isn't that, that crazy though? Being taught necessarily to never part of leave the your feet. Never yeah. leave your feet on in basketball. Jeez. Gosh. Well, Take that he, for granted. He got a lot of block, a lot of block shots. That's that's for sure. Uh, known as a great defender, and ultimately was known as a winner. So. And, and, and a good teammate. So and that's what separated him from Wilt. The article is saying Wilt was the narrative. He was about self, had amazing stats, always outperformed Bill mm. individually. I mean, he came in as a rookie and was rookie of the year and MVP, Wilt Chamberlain. But Bill Russell always beat him. Mm. Beat him seven out of eight times they met in the playoffs. So Bill's team always won. But Wilt's team. individual performance was always better. So that was kind of the dynamic there, which is pretty fascinating. Gosh. Cool. That's a good, yeah. Uh, it's an it's encouraging uh, message today, uh, so you can unpack that. The uh, the devotional will go out uh, through email later today, so if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, go to unpackingit.com slash subscribe. goes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We take current sports stories, relate them to the Bible, uh, relate them to our own lives. All right, we got some other sports stories to discuss today, and if you've noticed this offseason in the NFL, First off, I'm excited about training camp opening up all over the place. We got so much football going on, a lot of stories. Where did the Panthers have their training camp? It's called uh, Spartanburg. It's in South in Carolina. South, oh, South Carolina. Okay, at so Wofford, Wofford oh. College. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's where the owner, the former owner of the Panthers, Jerry Richardson, I guess he went there. Yeah. So he, he had a connection there. So the, your, years and years and years have, have been going down there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but the big story is kind of over the, the, the course of the offseason, and this has sort of been happening over the last couple of years as well, but wide receivers are getting paid big money. And DK Metcalf recently signed a big extension, guaranteed big guaranteed money with the Seahawks. Uh, we know Tyreek Hill left to go to Miami to get paid. A.J. Brown went to Phil, ultimately got traded, but went to Philadelphia to get paid. Colin Coward must be so upset. The icing on the cake is getting paid. That's right. So, and I've been along that line as well, that line of thinking that the wide receiver isn't a a must. A, an elite wide receiver isn't a must to a Super Bowl win. Now, I'm, I'm wondering or questioning it at this point because Cooper Cup just showed what kind of impact a top wide receiver. He was the best wide receiver last year. His team won the Super Bowl. Now, was it because of Matthew Stafford? You know, we can we can argue a bunch of different things, but there was definite definite value in what Cooper Cup brought to the Rams that that led to a Super Bowl. And so, if we look at the top ten uh, kind of big contracts right now, and it's always a little tricky because you got a guaranteed money signing bonus, but as far yeah. as kind of per year right now, you got Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, another guy who just signed a big deal, DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup. DJ Moore and Keenan Allen. Now, the only ones These are the to, top 10. These are the top receivers, not these are the top in general. paid top paid receivers. Top paid receivers. Top paid receivers per year. So, Tyreek Hill 30 million per year down to Keenan oh, Allen at 20 million 30. per year. Jeez. And so, Tyreek Hill won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs and Cooper Cup won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Other than that, those guys haven't won Super Bowls. So I don't think Devontae Adams, he, he wasn't on that Packers team. But uh, conference championship games littered throughout that list. 
Yeah, no, those are playoff, you know, playoff teams. You know, I think Keenan Allen and I think the Chargers are going to have a really good season this year. I think DJ Moore is going to be better this year with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. You know, Stephon Diggs and the Bills are are one of those you know Super Bowl contenders without a doubt. Uh, I like the Raiders this year with with Devontae Adams, but but the question is, you know, is it worth paying the wide receiver this type of money, and 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 has it really changed? And I'll I'll speak from a fantasy perspective. I don't load up on big time receivers usually. I like to get them a little bit later, um, and so you can wait till tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk more fantasy on the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast. But I like having multiple options. And there's a part of me that thinks, could Aaron Rodgers even have a better year this year as he doesn't worry about getting the ball to Devontae Adams, that he actually looks, looks around for the open receiver? Is that possible this year? Maybe. It could be interesting. Um, I remember the year that Cam Newton, I'm wearing the Panthers Super Bowl shirt today. Uh, that year, Cam the Newton. light is really on in the Panthers. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'm all, I'm all in. But that year, he didn't really have a go-to wide receiver he he moved the ball around to a lot of different guys especially in that playoff run and it was just find the open guy find the open guy yeah, we find actually the open guy. we talked about that on a recent unpacked lunch the one of the ones you missed on the question was yeah who were the go-to skill players on that panthers roster and we're like oh it was oh wait who was on that team yeah that <laughs> was, uh, greg olson but like who, who were there Stewart. yeah Stewart. okay yeah, Jericho Cotri, like, one of my favorite people. But those aren't household. Oh, they they, they had this premier receiver. Yeah, it was Ted very Ginn much Jr. by committee. Yeah, Ted, yeah, but like yeah, Tegan Jr. Burson. is more of a Madden player. Give it in Madden. <laughs> right. Yeah, give, give it to me in Madden. Punt return. So so it's just it, so it's it's all fascinating to me that these guys are getting paid and will it actually play so here's, out? Here's my gut reaction to that. This is with no data at all. And I know I'm normally more Mr. Data guy than you, but you know, I'm running backs have way less value to me. I mean, not just to me, but because the NFL has changed, offenses are just very more spread out, pass heavy. Like the game has changed. So running backs have way less value. You can plug and play way more easy, way more easily. Receivers, you still need really good receivers and willing to pay some money unless you have top, top tier quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah. Because Dak Prescott absolutely needs very good receivers. You're going to have to pay some money because if you give out, if you give Dak Allen Lazard as your number one receiver, he's going to struggle. Aaron Rodgers can throw to anyone. Tom Brady can throw to anyone for a, I mean, like there's a handful of quarterbacks that, you can really spend dollars elsewhere, offensive line, really good defense, and be okay. But for a B-level quarterback, C-level quarterback, you're going to have to invest some money in receivers who make it way easier on the quarterback with route running, separation, talent. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine. I think I don't think anyone's really concerned about, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers is going to really have to prove he's legit. No, come on. Well, really, the best case scenario is when you have a, a, a guy, still a quarterback, on his rookie contract. Yes, so, absolutely. Like, like with the Chargers. So, so if you have Herbert, who's already a top five quarterback, if not better, and then you're paying Keenan Allen top ten money. Yes. Tua, down in Miami, with Tyreek Hill. Uh, you've got A.J. Brown with Hurts. 
You've so got you have Debo to win Samuel now. with uh, Trey Lance. You have to and try to win now. That's the Seahawks won Super Bowl with Russell Wilson on his rookie contract. Yeah, they had, they were able to fund the Legion of Boom on defense and a That's great right. team. The Cowboys, Dak's rookie year, that was the best window they had. You yeah. had a cheap quarterback who was good enough to win a Super Bowl and and surround him with talent, pay more dollars. But once you have to pay your quarterback $45 million, that, I mean, that is difficult to do and then still have a really talented team around him. Unless you have a top three quarterback in the NFL, it's hard to get away with that. Yeah. No, it's uh... – it's very interesting, and especially with somebody like Debo Samuel, who just signed a big deal yesterday, and we're kind of wondering what was going on in San Francisco. But they, they took care of it, and what makes him so unique is they relied heavily on, on his ability to run. And I think part of the concern with him and his contract is he doesn't want to run too much. He doesn't want his body to take a beating. He wants to get paid like a wide receiver and not take that kind of running yeah. back beating. But the thing is, he's so valuable because he runs the ball. Now, he's a great receiver, but he adds that value because of his uh, ability out of the backfield. And so what a fine line that is for that, that you know, coaching staff to figure out how much we use Samuel, but you don't want to overuse him. And, and then it led me to this kind of thought of why aren't more elite players considered position, positionless? And, 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 and will this always be the case in the NFL because it, it's the highest level, you've got to really hone in on, on one position. But I think like the emergence of pass-catching tight ends over the last 10, 15 years, that to me there's, a, there's this uh, a bleeding in between receivers and tight ends in a, in a significant way. Yep. Uh, then, then running back wide receivers uh, as well because, and, and you brought up this point earlier, uh, before the show, you know, growing up, it was just, all right, who are the athletes? And then you, you know, they'd play a little receiver. Yeah, give them the ball. Just find, give them the ball. And same with the, the quarterback position, too. It's just fascinating that we really haven't been able to see elite guys play positionless football. Um, because even last year, Cordero Patterson was always a wide receiver. Well, then the Falcons put him at running back, running back almost. I mean, they still used him some at, at receiver, but he became their, their go-to running back they're starting running back yeah but and now he's no longer a receiver now he's a running back well no isn't he still a flex guy isn't he still an athlete out there Um, well because it's it's not like no one's good enough to do that it's just yeah high school your quarterback can play safety your running back is also your number one receiver and your linebacker and then they go to college and they kind of funnel him to a more position. Okay, we're going to really hone your talent in this position. And then the NFL, even more so. But the NBA is now positionless. Yeah. So it's not like you, oh, yeah, you're, you play the five. Don't do anything else. Oh, you're 6'11"? Yeah, handle the ball, shoot threes, give you the ball in the perimeter, attack the paint, and post up. So the talent's there, but the game has to change. And... I- Contract-wise, it is more risky to put your body on the line that more often. But but your boy, uh, Micah Parsons, he wants to play on offense and digs. Uh, what's his first name? Step, uh, Trayvon. Trayvon. And, Trayvon. And yeah. so 
you know, both those guys, they want to be a part of the offense. And oftentimes, defensive guys want to be in goal line situations a- as well. But it's yeah. almost like so rare and, and, and maybe because you can't practice it enough or, hey, you're always, you know, you're always working on the defense. But I loved growing up, Deion Sanders would play, you know, both ways. And Charles Woodson was such a great athlete and, and could do that. Uh, I want to see more of that. I, I like it. Julius Peppers used to go out and try to catch passes. Uh, what an athlete he was. Um, so I'm, I guess I, I want to see more of it. And it seems like with Debo Samuel's new contract, he's probably going to run less. Yeah. And is that all right? Is that is that okay? Is that good? Ta- people know. forget Tannehill was a receiver at A and M before being moved to quarterback. That's a good. And point. It was a good one, a good receiver. Well, he may need to consider that because <laughs> I look at that tight. I look at that Titans team, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, who who's he going to throw to? Yeah. And can so, he still throw the the way that he needs to? So. I want to know. I want to know what other positions Landon played in his Division One days. Ooh, Landon. Ooh. Landon is a former uh, former f- uh, collegiate football player. <laughs> yeah, I was a strictly a linebacker. There was mm. I, I was not a positionless player, as they call it. I was one position, and that linebacker. was my position. Linebacker. All he does is eat. It's it's classic. He's a classic <laughs> linebacker. Eat and play football. That's it, man. That's right. Football. I want ball. I want ball. <laughs> Were you I positionless in swimming, Bryce? Oh, go. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. It's one lane, baby. One lane. But hey, you want me to swim freestyle? I'll do it. Butterfly. I got it. Breaststroke. Yeah, I'm okay. Backstroke. Absolutely. So I could I could do all four. All four yeah. strokes. You better believe it. All right, Landon. <laughs> Positionless football. What do you think? I I like the idea, but I, I think it's too much on players. Okay, that's I fair. think I think if you split out They're the running backs to receivers, I like that idea. But like offensive linemen, defensive linemen trying to play other positions is just it's a little too much on their bodies. Um, quarterback, I can definitely see why they don't play other positions. Um, but yeah, I, I think guys switching sides it just is too much. But that's my take. It's fair. No, it's a, it's a good point. Um, I said they're all soft. Uh, they're a little softer. They don't like to get hit too much. So, you know, there's, there is part of that, too. Uh, they take, a, they take a, a beating as is. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, even Christian McCaffrey, I'm, I'm going Panther heavy today, but, you know, he's been a running back, has taken a beating, and people want to see him more lined up maybe in the slot and, and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure if that will actually play out, though. And, and it's not that he has to switch positions either. It's just just utilize guys in different ways. And if, if you line up, even if you lined up Lamar Jackson at the running back spot, like just mix it up more. I don't know. It always seems like it's never the elite players. It's always sort of the gadget. It's like the gadget guy. That's, what the, that's always the term in the NFL. It's like the yeah. gadget guy that like isn't good enough to play one position. Why is that always the, the case? The... Um, uh, the, the, the Patriots have always had guys like that, but um, I don't know. It's just something to think about as I was uh, considering Debo's new contract. All right. We got a lot to get to, uh, man. We had a loaded show today. Um, I was a, I was a gadget guy back in the day, middle school oh, quarterback. You? And then on defense, I played left bench. So I, I was uh, two, two important positions there, left bench and quarterback. <laughs> That's pretty good. I was gonna to try to make a joke. I'm gadget guy with my my fancy phone and stuff, but I, I'm not. I'm actually not a gadget Ooh, you guy. I mean, you're I'm, teeing I'm far yourself from up it. for an Android joke there. I know. Yeah. I'm far. I'm far from gadget guy. I don't have the Apple Watch. I'm not that. I'm not that guy by any. I've means. never actually seen you wear a watch, so that would be a huge jump. 
Oh man, I, you're I'm, always on Bryce time. Always on Bryce time. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. This show starts at two something. It's whatever. <laughs> I don't have a watch, so I I don't know. That's right. Um, I so we go to the pool. You know, me and Maddie, and I never bring a watch, and there's no clock at the pool. So it's it, you know we're on a strict schedule, bedtimes, dinner, all that kind of stuff. So I ha- I'm dependent on somebody else being there oh. with. With a clock, with a phone, with a Mr. Watch. Like 1850s. Hey, can I get the time? Hey, what's the time? What's the time? Hey, do yeah. you have the time? You have a watch. Do you have the time? <laughs> Yesterday, the lady gave me the wrong time. She's like, oh, it's 5, 525. It's 525? <laughs> no, 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 no. I read that wrong. Oh, okay. Um, but as far as my watches go, I, so I have a little wrist. I've got a little tiny wrist. And I look very goofy with a watch. And I can't find a, a, you know, a watch that, that works for me. Ooh, so. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'm, okay. an, I'm an underrated watch connoisseur. I'll Ooh. self-promote myself there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, if somebody has a watch that they, you know, they're looking to give away, and I can check yeah, it out. It sounds like you've been trying on just gargantuan timepieces on your little dainty wrists. I know. I've got dainty, I got dainty wrists. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, I, I got to embrace. This is, this is who I am. So I can't, I'm not a watch guy. I'm not a gadget guy, but maybe some other, <laughs> some other people are. All right, let's do uh, let's do our MetaShare moment of the week, and we're heading to golf, and not the Live Tour this time. <laughs> yeah, that it seems like all the golf world, all it is about these days is the Live Tour every single day. But here we go. Uh, what event is this, Luke? This is from over the this weekend. Was, this the I believe the 3M Open or the Rocket Mortgage? Okay. So uh, let's play this video, and then we will respond. Hopefully those that listen only can, can hear the audio as well. All right, Luke, take it away. All right. So it was the Rocket Mortgage Classic confirmed. Okay, sweet. To this week here, Will. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, not liking that one. Anytime you see the club let go so early. <laughs> oh. oh, get in the hole one not time. Like this. Not like this. All right, First so we'll watch it again. Go. I'm sick to <laughs> my this stomach. Week here, Will. Right there, yeah, you know, I've done that a hundred times. He's, I'm uh, relating to him. Oh, like bad shot. One. Anytime you see the club. Bad shot bad drops shots. his club. <laughs> drops oh, his club in into the hole. One time. <laughs> hole in one. First one. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy. All right, so it's Mark Hubbard, and he you know, feels like it was a bad hit. Par three, 11th hole. And ends up getting a hole in one. So do we do we give him credit? Like, can you celebrate a hole in one that you thought you were gonna miss? It doesn't that, feel like, as good. What's the response? Not as satisfying. No, definitely not. That's a like t- a hole a in one, one where you're going. All right, I'm putting this left of the pin. I'm gonna try to land it about 163, and it goes in. Great. But if you drop the club in disgust and it goes in, no, doesn't ugh. count. You gotta hit oh, it well, again. I wouldn't go that. You gotta far. hit it again. Sorry, <laughs> okay. Mark. You gotta know that thing's going in. I gotta see some yeah. confidence. Not this. Not this negativity. So, what's the closest you've gotten to a hole in one? Because you're coming across as Mister Hole in Hole in One cop right now. Does not count. Does not count. So, well, does putt putt count? Ooh. That's the key. Yeah. So We're I shared my putt putt right stories there. in recent putt, weeks. Putt putt hole in one. Yeah, that's about. That's it. I promise. That's it. Um, I'm on a par three. I'm looking to get, get in, get in on you know six or seven strokes. So yeah, that's what we're working with there. So there you go. There's your MetaShare moment of the week. If you were listening on the podcast, you can go 
search for Mark Hubbard, uh, his miss hit results in a hole in one. Uh, pretty cool video. So, uh, so thankful for MetaShare, our presenting sponsor here on the show. Uh, you can go to MetaShare.com slash unpacking it and figure out if MetaShare is the right fit for you. Uh, it's been great for my family, and they've got affordable, reliable health care uh, that you can trust. So MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. All right, let's bring on Henry Bienname and let's do a little tap drill. Thanks to Landon for his help uh, with tap drill this week as well. Uh, but we will say hello to Henry uh, up in Connecticut. And uh, I was listening to uh, some radio yesterday talking about the the Giants. There, there is some hype about Saquon Barkley in the in the fantasy world. So he seems to be rising up the fantasy boards. So you got to be excited about your Giants. Oh, absolutely. What's going on, boys? What's up, Landon, in the background over there? I can always uh, I can always relate to the guys holding down in the background because we're the ones that make sure you guys like Luke and uh, Bryce are always looking good and sounding good over there. So, but um, the Giants are. No, there's real- I'm going to thank my parents for me looking good. I'm not thanking Henry. <laughs> I'm not thanking Henry. I got to thank my hair gel for looking That's good right. today. I can't be thinking. I'm definitely not thinking, thinking linebacker intern Landon. Get out of here with that. Come on. But um, but there's definitely a, a hint that, of optimism. Landon's jumping in here. You can thank me for the omelet tomorrow. There we yeah. go. There we oh. go. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll hold out hope for that. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Henry. Henry, I derailed you. Go ahead. Okay. No worries. No worries. Um, there's definitely a, a hint of optimism around Giants camp up in uh, up in Jersey over there uh, for several reasons. One, Saquon Barkley is looking really good. This is his second year after his injury, and they say that it's the second year after a major injury is where the athlete starts to look like more like themselves. So uh, they're expecting big things from Saquon Barkley, of course, not to mention the fact that he, as well as Daniel Jones, are at the end of their rookie contracts. You guys were talking about rookie contracts um, earlier in the in the podcast, and so also there is a new sense of uh, there's a new sense of consistency now. You got Brian Daybell as a new head coach, and you got Joe Shane as the as the new GM, and most importantly, you got the Maras taking a hands off approach and letting the people that they hired do their jobs. Let let the GM be the GM, let the head coach be the head coach. And it sounds like there's a there's a little bit of optimism. I'm not going to go as far as to say that they're going to take over the NFC East, but anything is better than 4 and 13 from last year. So, there's your Giants breakdown. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never ask again. <laughs> No, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. I'm, I'm fat. I'm, they're, they're one of the more interesting teams this year, just to see will it be different? Will things be different this year? So, Absolutely. Good stuff, Henry. All right, man. All right, let's get to tap drill. Uh, first up on tap drill is our old friend Russell Wilson. Old, old face, new place, as they like to say. And did you see – Now we'll, we'll get to his jersey in just a moment, but did you see the tank that he came in into, into training camp? The man looked like he needed a step ladder to get into that Jeep coming into training camp. But what everybody's talking about is him coming into training camp with his own jersey on. So, guys, what do you think of the big machine that he's coming in and coming into training camp with his own jersey? Seems like a little guy for a big, big car, but a big truck, a big, big tank. Yeah, um, is he six foot? 
Is he I mean, six he's feet? a smaller quarterback. He's, he's five, five, You're coming in under six foot. Uh, can you really uh, be driving a tank? I'm, I'm, the, the lineman. I'm okay with the lineman coming in with something like that. Yeah. But obviously, Russell's got the, the money for it. But um, I, I'm a little concerned and, and just sort of like, wait, what? Why was he wearing his own jersey walking into training camp? And then he wore it. I mean, I guess I guess it was understandable in the press conference. Maybe they go right to the press conference. I won't maybe hold that as much against him, but it seemed weird to me. Like, why not show up wearing a John Elway jersey saying, hey, I'm the best quarterback since John Elway has been here. So that, to me, that, show some respect. Uh, you don't need to be wearing your own The disrespect for jersey. Brock Osweiler. I will not tolerate <laughs> the Brock Osweiler indirect slander. Get well, that actually, out Peyton of here. Manning, I'm sorry, Peyton Manning was there, but... Uh, that was a down. Well, he had he had a couple of big years there. Uh, he Peyton. was he did not win them that Super Bowl. I don't like to think about Peyton leaving the Colts, but yeah, that's right. He was there. He was there as well. So now they finally. But think about all the quarterbacks in between. Uh, Russell Wilson. Those are. Uh, it's been a tough tough few years for them. But a lot of optimism. I, I, I'm I'm I think. They'll be very good this year. Wilson will have a great season, I mean, whether Bryce, he wears his jersey or not. Bryce is already out on this because, at a principle, he can't even stand grown men wearing jerseys. So, True. you know, I'm a big jersey guy. I've got two hanging behind me that get a, a fair amount of, of usage throughout the weeks. But your own jersey, that's a middle school move. That's a middle school move. Wearing your own baseball. Like, I would wear my baseball uniform hat to, to school, my own jersey in the parades. But how, bro, man. Well, how did we feel about in high school? Maybe this was maybe it was just at my high school, but all the football players would wear their jersey on Fridays for the game, like they'd wear it to school. Was that a thing? Oh, or was but that for just the pep rallies school? or just for school? No, every Friday they all wore their jerseys to uh, school. We got to get Landon's thoughts here. So there's two things that our football players did. Well, thankfully they had we did Jersey Thursday, so we'd wear like cool vintage jerseys. But I still could never get behind carrying that around the go- the gallon of water to class in high school. So I, I guarantee Landon bought stock in that. Oh, got to get hydrated. Got my gallon of water going to algebra too. Let me tell you, Luke, everyone on the football team had that gallon. It, it was like some kind of ritual. You had to have a gallon to be on the football team. That's right. Team. It was a cultural thing. It had nothing to do with hydration. It was a It look. was for the culture. It, it was all about it. But back to the, uh, the jersey wearing on Fridays. So our school, we actually had to dress up and wear suits. The classy move. Uh, the the Much classy better. move. Much yeah. better. Yeah, so that was more of a middle school thing for me. The, the football on Fridays, football jerseys. What would you wear, yeah. Bryce? Would you get speedo, uh, swim team go speedos on Fridays? <laughs> that's not very nice. You wear your jerseys <laughs> with shirtless and speedo. Yeah. Hey. I, swim cap to class on Fridays. I don't even know what to say to that. I, I, you you find a way to bring up the speedo. I mean, it's it's almost every week, and I I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Uh, but now now that you mention it, I guess the football players sometimes wore wore ties. I, I, I may have I may be misremembering it. It a was always bit, funny but. though. I mean, you make a high school football team wear ties, and you're bound to get thirty percent with the short tie. The tie that barely reaches the <laughs> belly button. And it's like, all right, just take it off. If you're going to be Mr. Short Tie Guy, <laughs> get that out of here. And then and you have Hodge. Merrill Hodge. <laughs> right. And then you have the other 15% that wear the tie, but don't that has the shirt, the top button on the shirt open. Yeah. That's right. And then, you have, and, and then there's always one. Why is there always one that wears the tie on the head? I mean, what ah. is the significance of that? It's like, I'm tie like, on head dinner. at weddings. I'm, I'm tie on head at weddings. Dance floor, about... 
about ten songs in. Once the electric slide comes on, Luke's <laughs> ready to go. He's got his head. He's got. We're his... starting to get repetitive here. We got the. We got like three shows in a row with Speedo and Electric Slide, hey. within five minutes of each other. They go hand in hand. They really <laughs> absolutely. Do. All right, save us, Henry. All right, uh, one of our favorite ESPN uh, ESPN programming is coming back, and on August fifth, the Ocho is coming back to programming. So uh, starting August 5th, you're going to see events such as Corgi Racing. We have Corona Belt Sander Races and uh, the ever-popular Red Bull Paper Wings. So, guys, what are you going to be looking forward to with the upcoming Ocho programming? Oh, my goodness. You you said that this was our favorite sports programming. (laughs) Uh -uh, You get out of here with that. I mean, I remember... I remember I was so desperate during the Rona when sports canceled and I was watching cherry picking or cherry spitting. It was oh. cherry pit spitting from the Ocho. Did you get into there, marble racing? Marble I got racing into marble racing. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was a sad Wednesday afternoon. Um, <laughs> that, that, was, that was a that was a productivity at an all time high for Bryce during the Rona. Oh, God. Marble racing on Wednesday. Yeah. That's why yeah. he doesn't do lunches with people because he's too invested in his marble racing. That's during right. The afternoon. That's right. Um, but no, I, I I can't say that I'm I'm into the Ocho programming. Uh, you know, dodgeball is still a classic. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. tried to watch. I thought the air guitar was going to be cool. But it wasn't. It was not a great, great setup. And then have you seen, there's this new sport. I don't even know if it's a part of the Ocho. It's ping pong with a soccer ball that you kick and head with. Oh, yeah. Do we know the name sport. of well, Do we know the name of the sport? Every, every like pro soccer team, they'll do that. I don't know if it's technically training, but they spend a lot of their time playing that. <clears throat> and it's actually very fun to watch. It looks challenging. Yeah. It's interesting. I want to try it, but yeah, some of the other uh, the Ocho stuff. There's like a pinball. I mean, it's just it's craziness. It's funny that ESPN really really gets behind it. So it's more. I, I'll tune in for just some you know a little bit of laughing, a little bit of just check it out. We'll see. So there you go. You mean you guys aren't going to get into the corgi racing? I mean, they're corgi. I don't even know what that is. It's a long dog. Rice isn't a pet paused. guy. It's a I'm long a dog guy. with short with short paws. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely out on that. I'm not watching the dog show. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I mean, I sneeze um, just watching it. Speaking of the dog days of summer, uh, we're going over to uh, Buffalo Bills training camp, where where franchise quarterback Josh Allen gets into a scuffle with defensive tackle Jordan Phillips. Now, Jordan Phillips is a is a late addition to the team, and these guys got into it. And we all we always hear of guys getting into fights in the middle of training camp. But are we okay with our quarterback getting in the face of a defensive tackle, or are we okay with the defensive tackle trying to take down the $200 million quarterback? To me... It's almost like a, a, a cuttable offense. Don't mess with the star quarterback. It's just, it, it's not worth it. Like in training camp, just stay away from him. Like if, I mean, I guess like as far as like you can tackle, like he's got to get ready for the season. So it's not that, but any extracurricular against the quarterback, probably want to avoid that. Especially unless you're like a proven guy that you've got a little bit of leverage there that you're, you're sort of, you know, maybe making a statement or you're trying to tough up your you're toughing up your quarterback a little bit or something like that 
But I, I'm not familiar with Jordan Phillips. I don't, I don't think he's the uh, the the all pro D tackle holding down the defense by any means. So maybe stay away from Josh Allen. That's where I come out on it. Uh, I come in different perspective. To me, bad look as the quarterback to throw a fit about it. One, do you really want to pick a fight with a 300-pound lineman or a, a linebacker? Now, Josh Allen maybe doesn't apply to this as much because he's actually a great athlete and strong. But a quarterback in general who tries to pick a fight after getting hit, it doesn't look good for numerous reasons. One, you're essentially saying, don't hit me. I'm too high class for you. How dare you touch me as the quarterback? That comes across as so soft. And two, you're picking a fight with a guy, if he really wanted to have his way with you, you're toast. That's so, fair. quarterback, you get hit, let it go. But to pick a fight with it, ah, bad look. Bad yeah. look. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. I understand that. I mean, I remember, yeah. It, it, these guys, the, 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 the scuffles, it's like understandable when it's D-tackle versus offensive lineman or corner versus wide receiver. But uh, step over and start messing around with the quarterback. Nah, come on. All right, Henry, give us uh, maybe give us one more. All right, now we're going to go down to Washington, and we're going to talk about the Commanders, and I still hate that name. Uh, the, the Washington Commanders, even in the middle of training camp, when they open training camp to the public, have a low attendance rate. So, boy, simply this. Is there a least, a, a least interesting team than the Washington Commanders this year? Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I, I'm, I, it's not surprising that there's, there's not a lot of fan buzz for the commandos because, I mean, you think about Carson Wentz and, you know, people are kind of iffy about him coming off of, of his year last year. Um, you know, He's I lost think, his brand name. His name yeah. recognition is not there anymore. No, I don't think people are like, oh, man, we got Carson Wentz, and, and there's just not, there's not the excitement level. Um, but, but as far as a, another team that's sort of uh, not, as, not as interesting – um, is there one for you? Uh, oh my Luke? gosh, the Texans! Like, okay, the Texans are so irrelevant. Like, at least the Lions—they're bad, but they're lovable. We talked about this a long time ago. I think you used the term "lovable losers." The yep. Lions are lovable. America's sweethearts—we're all pulling for them, pulling for them. The Texans, though, it, have have a common fan, have a a committed NFL fan. Name anyone on their roster. Yeah, it, they're just. Yeah. So I disagree. Yeah. I disagree because Interesting. I think, yeah, Davis Mills coming into his second season. Is he going to show that he's a legit quarterback? He actually played pretty well under the radar. The Texans were more competitive than most people thought last year. Uh, Brandon Cooks was one of the best wide receivers. Nobody realizes that they, they signed Marlon Mack. Does he have anything left in the tank? Could he actually come out and be a decent running back for them? Um, so I, there's some intrigue, but. Yeah, as far as like, oh, I can't wait to watch the Texans. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's fair. Um, but I, you know, a team that's kind of boring to me, and maybe it's because of my Panthers love, but the Falcons. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a little intrigue to see if uh, Mariota can can kind of take back his career a little bit as a starter. Um, there's some maybe a little bit there, uh, and then I would say the Seahawks. I mean, they're, they're, that's a pretty boring team to me. I, I don't see a lot of excitement coming from Seattle this season. It's, gonna be a, it's yeah. gotta be a long season, right? It's gotta be a long season. So there you go. All right, the poor uh the poor Washington team. Those guys, oof. Not much oof. excitement there. They can't even get their fans there. They don't know what's going on with their owner. They got a lot of talk, talking about the, the moral standard there. 
Uh, they got some some work to do uh, in Washington, no question about it. But all right, Henry, great stuff. Appreciate you. Appreciate everybody jumping on the chat with Henry uh, today. Thanks to Landon for all uh, of his help. Uh, thanks to Henry and Landon for making me look good, apparently. So I appreciate that, guys. Um, I count on both of you for that. Uh, Luke counts on his backward hat, uh, so we could do right. need him. We do need to identify that uh, as one of Luke's. Uh, you know, is that a flaw? Eh, maybe. Is it a flaw? Actually, I'm not. I'm not blessed with uh, the money to buy as much hair gel as uh, is <laughs> in your budget. So uh, that's not one of my discretionary income income purchases. Well, according to Still Steve, on a hat. according to Steve, Luke has got the stash on point. That's he's, right. He's really a fan of the, of Luke's stash. He's. Luke's, Luke's got a, a strong mustache growing right now, so keep it, keep it rolling. But, uh, but thanks, everybody, for, for listening today. We will be back uh, next Monday. Check out the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast on Tuesday. On Thursday, we've got an interview with Trey Burton. Uh, you know him from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, a part of the Philly Special. Awesome conversation with him uh, that we will share with you on Thursday. Uh, the Devo goes out later today. You can subscribe on unpackingit.com. But I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. And as we talked about Bill Russell being a winner on the basketball court, what does it look like to be a winner in our own lives? What does it look like to live a life that is blessed? Well, it's actually about being a blessing to other people. It's about putting ourselves in a position to help others win and to be a part of the, the, the winning. And, and ultimately, it's, it's winning souls for, for Christ. It, it's, it's helping people experience the love and grace of Jesus uh, like we have. And, and so we, we rest in that, cling to that, and that's the, the good news that we, uh, that we have in Jesus. So that's why we're here. We want to point people to Jesus. So thanks for being with us today. This has been the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.